0: Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen
1: that knowledge you have in your head that intellectually you know you're a child of God but in your heart it has not settled as a reality there will always be tension everything will come to test who you are you know the other day I was talking about how someone had an accident on the express the man just came out his first statement was do you know who I am like everybody has to dial up something to threaten you we look to this thing to find and so how would you bash my car you know who I am and everyone is trying to threaten each other it speaks to meaning and meaning is such a loaded word but I want to walk you through someone in the Bible today who it's a stuck. I don't know, think about it. Um, Domin was praying this morning, does it talked about Solomon? And I've been doing a bit of study in the book of Ecclesiastics for a while. And Michael, go to the next. Okay. Now, this is what the 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 former or once upon a time, he was a king in Israel. It says, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Meaningless literally means vapor or breath, or breathless. Vapor, you know what it is? It's like an escape of essence, an escape of of air. So he's saying something here. But let me give you the back end to this man's story. Solomon was not just another man. I think wherever you're headed, Solomon has been there and back. Solomon was once upon a time the, the king of Israel. And I could easily say, Israel didn't go to war under his reign. So he lived in peace. Let's look at his life. I'm about to read for you Solomon's CV. If you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, let's take it from verse 1. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 1. Are you guys there? Ecclesiastes 2 chapter 2 from verse 1. It says, I say to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But also proved to be meaning- meaningless. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried sharing myself with wine, and embracing fully. My mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. Four, I undertook great projects. Now, I don't know what your great project is, but let's try and imagine for a second that you're trying to do a music album, you're trying to build a house, you're trying to build a school, you're trying to go back for your masters, you're trying to start a business, you're trying to do something. That's what he's saying here. I under two great projects, I built house houses for myself and planted vineyards. Now that's not enough. So think about the best of houses. Solomon had it. Now when you go on, he says, I planted vineyards, I also planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groove of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves. At the time, slave was a thing. And he had not a few. He said, I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. So Solomon had an industry of slaves. Alright? And um, so there was no shortage of what to do. But keep going. He says, I also owned more heads and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. Now I could even think about it. He's going back to the beginning of time. And this man could have even amassed more wealth than Abraham or anybody else. And he was making a boast of it. So if wealth was the answer to human problems, Solomon had found that answer. And I dare say, if practical wisdom was the answer, he already had wisdom. Remember the first time God accosted him, God asked him, what did you want from me? What do you want me to give you? He said, give me wisdom. And in wisdom, he had wealth and everything. So one would have thought that with wisdom, this man should not be sounding like this. Now let's go on. He says... I bought, I also owned more herds and flock than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers. Now, guys, he was having concerts in his house. Solomon, like, this was a ball. He had the best, give me the list. A list artist. They were performing every day in the palace. Still, still A list? Yeah, she's A list. All right, she's A list. Amen all right but i you know he had this whole thing going on so imagine that before ever there was a cool hotel having concerts this guy already figured it out now let me tell you one interesting one the one that even scared me the most he said i acquired male and female singers and a harem let's pause for yourself for a second if you don't know what that is it's like it's like stripper's club on steroids now the king was not just in like if solomon was to have a timetable for all his wives he won't be able to he won't be able to service um he won't be able to finish the year all right he probably would need three years to ex- exhaust it so if 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 and then think about living with concubines and all of these things so sometimes if you're pursuit if you're pursuing relationship you're pursuing it is not always in a relationship and you know if what is the purpose of life if after school you know topper was saying it after school maybe after trying three or four times you finally get admissions into university Suddenly, when you get into university, there's a new hustle. If you are responsible, like the home we came from, they'll say, make first class. By the time you try year one, try year two, and you're not looking like it, you find other purpose. All right? But at the end of the day, you understand clearly that after fighting, and unfortunately for some of us who went to federal universities, the system was designed, or state university, it was designed not to help you make first class. So there was you have to, to swim with the sharks, try not to be their food. And, and the lecturers strive in failure, they say only 10% success in my test. <laughs> you know, there was one, I remember one particular day, a lecturer came to class and she was teaching and we said she said something. She said, where are your classmates? We said, Ma, they went to Jack. You know, I don't know if you know that word. Though. And she said, irresponsible children. Instead of them reading, they are jacking. Uh, <laughs> she, she didn't understand. And I remember there was this particular day where we, the lecturer got into class. There was a rumor of strike. so people took off. The man just came in and said, where is everyone? They say not around. The man said, please tear paper, put your name and math number. Lock the door. So people were looking for their friends. Come. And people were rushing, like trying to make it just in time before rapture. The man was looking at all of them, like, no, no, no. So, I mean, but that's how the system was actually designed. Now, you make a first class, you face the real world. Suddenly, there's a new hustle. Get a job. And your parents will start telling you, meet uncle for CV. Have you sent your uncle? You're not trying hard enough. Have you met that uncle? Why are, you, why are you so proud? You should be meeting your uncle. And then you make it through that phase. You make it through that phase in time and you get into your office. How much am I earning? How much are they earning? Why is the other one earning? Why is he earning? Why is he earning? Is he earning? You're not thinking, I need a raise. And somewhere along the line, you fall in love. Or maybe not. But, <laughs> but somewhere along the line, you figure that the next hustle is get married. All right? And... And just when you think that, um, okay, you you find the right person, and you're married, first year no children, second year no children, third year no child, and suddenly the pressure is building, and you know, people are now looking for a fruit of the womb. You know, Nigerians have actually manufactured an industry called Fruit of the Womb. So it's actually a thriving one, where at the end of the day, if you make it through that one, suddenly there is a new pressure you're having to raise a child. All right, and raising a child—trust me—is a full-time job. And even now that the media and the nannies have taken the role of parents, you need to do twice as hard. All right, everything around you is designed to undermine your parenting, so you have to play the police. So the other, one, I was even asking myself, why subscribe to Fubuki if the guy is only allowed to watch CBS and Jinjang? Because Lily has profiled those two. There is a residue of kingdom. The other ones, there was no residue, no kingdom whatsoever. They are as far as, they are as close to hell as can possibly be. But I'm saying this to say, if all your life is a treadmill, if all your life is a pursuit after the nest, at what point do you stop? And that's what this man was saying. You get one bus stop, you find something else. You get to another bus stop, you find something else. Just when you get a job, you start getting into corporate politics. Suddenly they are trying to get you, someone is trying to outsmart you. You enter that game and by the time you survive 35 years, you retire. And for some of our parents, they give you a clock. An award a meritorious service of 35 years a plaque meritorious service and that is hanging somewhere in the world go to ask your dad some of you go check it out that is the badge of honor 35 years of service and then what next die life is much more than that and more more than anything else God did not design our lives to be this sequence of events that was just to go through the motion It's culture. So sometimes, if you, you will realize that some people doesn't, they don't even need school to thrive. But if they don't get into school, their mind will never release them to thrive. They keep feeling like, I need to go back and finish what I did not finish. And even when you give them examples of people who did not have to go to university, yet they built industries, people are not able to reconcile that. Because your father and mother will say, you remind me of, you know, our parents in Africa, our parents are trying to live their lives vicariously through us. Some of them, things that they didn't attempt or failed to attempt, they've carried it and said, you will be the man go ye and, and and make us proud so at the end of the day they get themselves into this competition where they're asking your son is back from the u.s um, your son is not working well i don't know what he's doing these days i hear ibo i smell ibo <laughs> around the window you know an average african because why they are using you as a gauge all right sometimes if a lot of them outsource their meaning to their children and when they are sourced, their meaning to their children, they put a lot of pressure on you to become their source of and their meaning and their significance. So your wedding is their wedding. They hijack it. Because at the end of the day, you will not embarrass me. So when you bring the idea, it's going to be intimate 30, they say, You and who intimate? In this town of Ashevi, there's a list. You know, I, I remember I, 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 in our own wedding, one of our parents actually went and printed IVs and said, Since you people are talking rubbish, we will see how this is going to go down. <laughs> you know, we are actually a portion that each parent will get like 50 IVs. So half the time at the wedding, I was seeing faces. Oh, I'm, the, I'm your relative. The cousin for the... Co- oh, yeah, thank you. The cousin, oh, yes, thank you, thank you. You have so much pressure. But why? Our parents have taken upon themselves a tax that was never given to them. Now, let's go on this. To the slides. Now, see what he's saying. Meaningless, meaningless. All things are meaningless. Rich man, wealthy man, wise man, no shortage of women all right for those guys who think that um, you know i have this friend who wants to uh, try to convince himself that monogamy is alien to the african man you know i don't know if you made that argument that is very alien to the african That let's face it our parents had three or four wives and the, our grandparents and our parents before them they lived happily ever after you know don't try that in this world you will crack first of all it was an economic decision because they needed more people to farm so they were basically they were basically building an industry but they didn't know how else there was no delegation there was no collaboration there was no partnership all they needed to do was the much the more the merrier they were acquiring labor women as labor and children as factories and so you don't understand that and some, some some people are saying no it is now in our nature to cheat because if our fathers did with two three wives the white man came with a god and an idea and the god told us monogamy is the way and everybody's struggling can't you see all the men are struggling haven't you heard that? So people would basically redefine anything to find meaning in something. Let's go to the next, yeah? Now, I want us to check. Marco, do you take away that quote? Okay. No, let's go to let's go to the next, the queen of pop in the 80s. Now, let's see her own um, ecclesiastic moment. Everyone must have had it. If you haven't had it, yet, you, you would have. I came close at the night of that election. A little decision. Where are the people? You understand? <laughs> you're honest you say, this nigeria you'll fix yourself <laughs> all right but but this is what this is what this is what this is what madonna said said i have an iron wheel and all my life has always been to conquer some horrible feelings of inadequacy i push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being and then i get to another stage and i think i'm mediocre not interesting my drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre And that's always pushing me, pushing me, because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. Do you know many people are still at this point? When you see them, you celebrate the stardom, you celebrate the fame, you celebrate the fortune. But trust me, when you go back to them, behind the blinds and the closed doors, they are broken, deeply insecure people, manipulated by their insecurities. They can't just, you know, I remember there was a particular friend you know at 21 I thought I was gonna be married (laughs) you understand I honestly do you know I don't know what I don't know what happened I I thought I was actually going to imagine now how I did it How do you know some days I ask myself how much don't we know now and yet you feel you you know so but I remember there was a time I had I had this conversation I noticed that whenever we're in the crowd her mood would change my friend in question you understand her mood like if you're chatting with just greet another lady just be kind You have to fix it. There has to be an explanation for why you are kind. So there was this pressure, but then I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that some people can be broken in the way of trust. All right. But at the end of the day, people are manipulated by their insecurities. And when you meet them, you think that they build a wall, so you can't come in. And that wall is not a reflection of your own worth, it's a reflection of their own insecurities. But sometimes you project it on yourself that why am I getting a wall? Now see her point here. This woman was the biggest pop artist, at least a female pop artist, in the 80s and 90s. And yet she, she would go to, this is 2008's Vanity Fair, almost 20 years of her career, bloom. One of the richest, if not, one of, if not the richest about this time. I about two years ago they put her as one of the uh, richest female, but she's dealing with this. Let's see what Wallace said. I stumbled on this article. Now David fast Foster Wallace said, because here is something else that is weird but true. He's an atheist. He's actually one of the prominent atheists, although he had this flirting idea that God might exist, but he was a rooted atheist. But this day, he wrote this thing um, that actually stood out for me. He said, here is something else that is weird but true. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. He says, there is no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. If you worship money and things, if they, if they are where you tap your real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. It is the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. On one level, we all know this stuff already. The whole trick is keeping the truth up front in the daily consciousness. Unfortunately for David, he killed himself in his 40s. He stumbled on this thing. He captured it so eloquently that there is something inside of man. We are all wired for worship. Like God created us, designed us, built us for worship. And whenever we, uh, you cannot not worship, the question is what are you worshiping? You might not know anything that you pursue with that fervor, that intensity. Check your football club. You might not understand. The night you lose, what is your mood? You understand? You don't even understand that that is something. That night, your, your mood is all broken you understand nobody can say anything to you what you don't understand is that depth of worship that affection is something that has also been perverted all right so he's he's saying that when you derive you know there's there's, there's sort of like these days if you haven't noticed i have a lot of the ladies in lagos are looking alike you understand and i know that god is god is generous and god has been kind from the beginning of time but these days people are manufacturing beauty from Aja to wherever, you find even in Lucky Phase 1, people are, man- are, even, people are buying dimples. <laughs> you understand? They're buying dimples, honestly. This thing that God gave, I should sell it. Because I don't need it, I can monetize. But my point is, people are selling it. People are buying. So, r- r- right now, some people, someone even told me that you can only go three times. This particular place, they chisel things. Alright? And um, so... This, this, there was a situation where someone has out, outused her lifeline. <laughs> and the person is still in her 30s. Well, my point is, why are people under that pressure to, cr- to craft this image? And when inside of them, everything is broken and empty. What's going on here? This man killed himself in his 40s, knowing all he knew. That something in man is yearning for worship. Let's go. Well, here is what I started to unpack when it came to meaning. I kind of look for a couple of definitions that could drive our conversation. One of them is the essential significance or some concept of quality, essential significance. The second one is having a sense of purpose, significance, and value. Now, ultimately, wherever you get your deepest uh, va- your value from, wherever you get your significance from, uh, and your purpose from, you're already answering the question of meaning. If you find it in your career, you understand that your, your value comes from the job you do, Your value comes from the money you earn every day every every broke day in your life you become suicidal because the money is your worth the money is your value and if you understand that the money is your significance you 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 are what you drive you're where you live all of these are the things that we do in lagos and lagos is an lagos is an idol factory so meaning is always we're pursuing meaning and if you don't understand something about lagos people came from different parts to make it so here in Lagos, if you came from Joss, you came with your, hanging with your guitar. You came, there was a plan that year. And maybe if you came from worry, you came with your, 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 your laptop. <laughs> there was a plan that year. But sometimes you settle into the city, and this fame becomes an illusory pursuit. Um, your reach always seems to exceed your grabs of it. And you now start asking God, when, how, why? But unfortunately, many people get to this point when the rubber hits the road and they are just one dial away from it. But it requires that they give up who they are. They make that choice there and then. Potifast wife's bed becomes the comfort and the palace they never get to. Because at that point in time. Purple, the, their eyes and their ideas are colored let's let 's look at the very meaning the, the very meaninglessness of life forces man to create his own meaning now, in case you don 't know there is a popular there's something called secular humanism, and the concept of secular humanism is that man is the ultimate man is, so every person must manufacture their meaning so meaning is not something it's actually me myself and i and there's an entire industry that is built on that. I can tell you the crack because i, I that industry I was there for a while, so the point is you, you think that you're cracking it, all right? But you get to the point, you realize self can never be the ultimate. If you live for self, you realize that there's only so much you can go. So to me, myself, and I, secular Humanism, you know what they say? They say you cannot, you are, don't, don't bother about discovering yourself. Create yourself. So all the concept of beauty is no matter how God made you, recreate yourself. And then there is a, there is a bit of truth to that, but it's also very borderline, um, dangerous because it could spin in any way. And then they tell you with meaning: don't look for meaning. Manufacture your meaning. And people are doing that. And the tragedy is that if we are Christians and we come into the gospel and we don't understand this, we can bring the same tension from the world into the church. So we now grapple the, can't you see the, the, the rate of divorce in marriage in outside the church is about the same thing as in the church. The rate of depression, the highest-selling drug today. No, no, the antidepressants. It depends on your drug of choice, and and for, for the records, if you go to places like, um, like um, um, if you go to places like in the U.S., Hollywood and all that, everybody they ask you a first question: What is your drug of choice? In fact, let's flip that question question for a second. They ask you what is your demon. In Wall Street, they ask you what is your demon. In fact, they feel everybody must have something called its signature sin. So your signature sin, if it's women, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we can live with that. If it's, if it's drink or wine, we, we can live with that. If it's drug, we can live with that. So everybody has somehow adjusted to this world of, of brokenness, where you'd rather move yourself to where God wants you to be, wholeness. You move your idea of God to this place where you want to coexist in brokenness. God meets us where we are, but he will never leave us the same way. And if your journey with God is not breaking the concepts of your life and bring you to a place of wholeness, that journey has never truly started. Okay, let's go. All right. It has take us not back, please. You know, today I try to discipline myself because there's a lot so that I can stay within the framework. It's a war, it's a, it's a war. Because some days you want to just but I, I cannot guarantee you how how far we will last on this. Let's pretend we are doing fine. All right. Okay, so at the end of the day, I was I was gonna talk about um, I was gonna talk about how this meaning can be manufactured or how people say manufacture meaning, but in Christ we don't manufacture meaning, we discover meaning. So how can this possibly be? Step back for a second, I'll ask you four questions. All right, four questions that I think if you don't answer those questions today, they cannot help you clarify. Um, if you answer those questions, you can clarify your meaning. But this is something I stopped. This one hits me this morning. All right? So when I read, when I read about um, meaninglessness as vapor, it clicked in my head that it was a life of meaninglessness. It was a life that was lacking a certain kind of breath. So there was a lack of essence. So there was a lo- loss of substance. Now, let me remind you guys, if meaninglessness is a loss of vapor, it's a loss of breath, a loss of substance let's backtrack to at what point in time did God impute breath into man at what point in time creation so see it in Genesis 2 7 God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul all right so the breath of God brought life into man now check something else in Genesis 2 7 see what played out here the devil came to, to Eve and he said but we must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good. I and mean, evil. for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God was telling Eve, Eve giving them the, the, the instruction, that if you eat from this tree of good and evil, you will surely die. Now, check what the devil did. The devil took that in and said, in Genesis 3 verse 4, he told Eve, no, you will not certainly die. That qualifier there, certainly, is not saying you will not die. He's saying there's a kind of death... There is there's, there's a death you die that is not like the kind God is saying. But he put, and the serpent said to the woman, you, can, you will not certainly, you said you will not certainly die. But there was something he was planting in her mind. Now, when they ate the fruit, did they die? Track with me. Did they die? Now, therein lies the, the, the passage for meaning. All right? This question, they ate the fruit, But they did not exactly die physically but there was a death that they died to spiritually that essence that breath that god had put into them they, they lost it and when they lost that breath they lost meaning because that breath of god within every man is meaning and once that breath left it was a god shaped void so everyone is looking for breath you know i was explaining to somebody today that you know, the new, this is our generation, they call us data natives. Because when you are not with data, you're almost having withdrawal syndrome. And I said, just imagine sitting down, one-hour conversation, people will be touching, uh, no, all phones please, drop it on the table. My phone, uh, so you just find people like withdrawals, why? You see firsthand when an attachment has been built to a device, you're seeing what is playing out there. So the loss of breath in every man is first the loss of meaning. So, when Adam died, it wasn't just the spirit of Adam. He lost meaning. He lost purpose. He lost identity. He lost worth. He lost significance. He lost love. All of, the, all of these things are part of what God has called to reclaim. So, when we become born again, our journey is not that He has restored our soul. That is one thing. He's recovering meaning, He's recovering identity, He's recovering ad- purpose. So our walk with God becomes a journey of restoration and salvation. Why? He has saved us, but there is a salvation that is, and there is a salvation that is becoming. So spiritually, established, you're saved. Positionally, you're seated in heavenly place in Christ Jesus. But in the day-to-day trenches of your life, you're recovering meaning, you're recovering identity, you're recovering your self-worth. And that's what renewing your mind means. It means deconstructing that which had defined you according to the patterns of the world, and begin to accept who you are now in Christ. So that's the breath. But see what, see what that breath translates into. First of all, Moses was speaking. I, so when I said Adam and Eve died spiritually, but physically they lived, because it takes less than death to kill a man. And that which dies in you while you are alive is what is even more important. Some people die at 25, but they're buried at 75. So it's a 50 years life of existence, but not living. People have misunderstood. The fallen man cannot tell the difference between living and existence. Existence is what Toppe was saying, that for a season of her life, she was just waking up to life. Life was happening to her. But it was just live, sleep, eat. Live to eat, eat to live. Like, just enjoy life in that way. Are you existing or living? Meaning is is, is that source that changes the equation for you. If your life has no meaning you're just existing again if your life has been subscribed to the wrong meaning you're also potentially just existing because the true essence of life is found in the one in John ten ten who says I am life and I give life abundantly so our meaning first of all is starts with Christ coming into our lives but the restoration of the spirit was also the restoration of meaning so check about check what Moses, Moses had said go to the next um, See what Moses said. Moses said to them, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that the lost people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Now, Moses was saying something. I wish that the lost people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Don't forget that up until this time, the spirit had departed. Man was just carcass. C- c- man was just dust, living through the motions, but never having the spirit. And because of the brokenness of culture, the spirit could not dwell in a man. The spirit could only come upon. So even the spirit of Solomon, the the, the wisdom Solomon operated in was a borrowed, the wisdom he operated in was a borrowed wisdom. So he didn't have the spirit of wisdom, but he had the gift of wisdom. And there's a difference. Because in in, in Colossians, we see that Christ has now been made unto us what? Our wisdom. So in our own context, wisdom is not a gift, it's a person. So that spirit of wisdom puts context to it. So he, he had something, but he didn't have the full source of it. Even at that time, David, as powerful as he was, David could have God come upon him from time to time. The Spirit could come upon him from time to time. But the Spirit did not always dwell. And that, that's not the context in which we live. So we cannot be meaningless. If we understand this very fact about our lives, that we have now come to receive. So Joel was talking about it. He said, in the last days, I will pour my Spirit on all flesh. And my sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men. He was talking about the revisitation of the Spirit. The breath that was lost will now come back to every man. And when that bread comes back, meaning comes back, purpose comes back. But if we don't optimize our life in the spirit, we'll never uncover meaning. If we don't optimize our spiritual life, we'll never uncover purpose. If we don't optimize our spiritual life, we'll never uncover love. We will always borrow from culture to define who we are. And don't forget, culture is broken, it's a falling world. Solomon had it all good, better than most of us would, even in the context of life. Dangote had nothing on him. Put the things he has on scale, this guy pale everything into insignificance. And yet, the man was deeply depressed, deeply broken, and he was thought to be wise. The, the, his bed was all with roses and nothing could hold. I mean, he could... St- 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 I don't know if you guys have been to Stripper's Club. You want to help us understand how it works? <laughs> because this man had been, this man had it all. So if your own is to go and peep, and come out, and you're joining, Solomon had. had he had chambers. He had all types and shades and colors. He had put them into compartments. And yet, he was deeply broken, deeply empty, without meaning and without purpose. Nothing can satisfy our hearts if we don't find rest and hope in God. And if your Christian work is still in the place where you are subscribing to meaning from culture, you will remain broken. You're putting your life on a treadmill where you constantly chase after things that are meant to chase after you. Alright, so think about it. In, jo- in John 20, verse 22, he said, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. Now, this was Jesus. He was speaking before Acts. He told them, receive the Spirit, but nothing happened. So, when the Spirit came back, there was two things that was actually restored when the Spirit came. There was the restoration of the breath and the restoration of language. But I feel that I know somehow that the Spirit had, when he said this, there was an activation that happened. Or there was a deposit, but no activation. So what played out in Acts was an activation people think that the language was the only proof but when, they, when he said to them yeah, nobody busted out singing language so even if you don't think you are speaking the language you still have this the spirit is already in you all right so don't let your, your inability to break the logic of entering into the flow of the language limit your, your, your optimizing this part of your life so at the end of the day they lost in Genesis chapter 3 they lost the spirit the breath in Genesis 11 they lost the language but in acts they both came on the same day all right but people don't understand that the breath of the spirit is the essence is the substance of man the very essence of your life is you so when adam fell the first thing he did when he heard the voice of god was what? he became afraid and he pulled himself out before now when he when he, if he if he ever got to hear the voice of god what he would rush out they said god will come in the cool of the evening to spend time and fellowship with him but the falling and the broken man's response to god is flight But those who are now called sons, our response to God is what run to him. So God is not looking for perfect sons because why? He's not expecting you to be perfect. He's the answer to your imperfection. So why would he expect you to give what you can't have? The fallen man cannot give you that. So the fallen man cannot give righteousness. Righteousness then has to be given to him as a gift. All right. let's go to the next. Now discovering meaning is not something we assign ourselves. It is something we discover in an intimate relationship with God. Meaning it is not externally manufactured. It is an outflow of the union life. Now, what, when I said this, I said when Adam fell, what happened was he started to make, uh, use uh, leaves to make clothes. It is the preposition, is the disposition of a fallen man to always look for things around him to, to assign meaning. And God had to come and fix the problem, but he started to look around him. He had Everything around him. You're trying to manufacture from outside you something God had initially put inside of you meaning begins when Jesus becomes the reason why you leave it. So if you're still dealing with depression here you have a meaning challenge and somewhere along the line you may not know in your your heart Christ is Lord but your mind has not been renewed to that reality that he is Lord over your life. So whenever you get to a point where the job doesn't come true, you're deflated because the job is now your meaning. Whenever you get to the point where your relationship is not adding up. You go through crisis. You're not meant to because Christ is now your source and your sustainer. has to be your meaning. So, the first thing you do is build on him. Let your foundation be who you are in him. Let's go to the next. I want to be quick here. This one, plenty shall. My brother. Uh, Meaning is found in Christ. Okay, let's go. Let's go. I want us to talk about, if we can't find our true center in Christ, we'll be swinging like a pendulum ball plagued by false hopes and failed aspirations. Until we make Christ our goal, our pursuit will to always leave us with illusion at best and downright disappointment at worst. Instead of feeling enriched by the things we own, we'll be feeling stifled by them. So here is the thing. When your definition of worth, significance, and value comes from the things you own, they no longer, you no longer own them. They now own you. But if your worth is first in Christ, those things don't give, they give you put context to them. They don't define you. You define them alright let's go to the next now four x-ray questions the four x-ray questions I want us to settle before we close and I'll close with this is who am I? alright why am I here? Or where, am I, where am I from? why am I here? and where am I going? so the question of who am I is a question of identity and it's very central to meaning because your identity and your meaning they're very intricately linked together next it is so now this is, this is I read this book a while ago called Abba's Child anybody read it? One of they rich, sir? You understand? I'll look for the e-copy and drop it in the family group if you can find it. But it was some time ago, and the man said something. He said, define yourself as one beloved by God. He says, this is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. Ponder on this for a second. Define yourself. The operative words there, radically loved by God. Every through, Every other identity is an illusion. So if you have to profile yourself, yes, I'm a father, I'm a husband um i'm a brother i'm a citizen patriotic one at that if you have to put all these things together at the end of the day when you put all these things together don't forget that what is central to you and what is fundamental to you what is central and fundamental to you is that you are radically loved by god let that be the foundation of your worth let that be the foundation of your identity nothing should shake you out of that if you don't feel love from him, you can easily be manipulated by insecurities. So how, is the, how does the love of God help us here? If you know that your love by God, is not something that you have attained on your own. The things that are meant to drive you away should drive you to him. Alright? Because this love, you didn't earn it. And you must be humble. And when that humility comes into your heart, your response to everybody else will also be through the eyes of God. So you cannot, you know, be judged so badly. Like humans, we judge, but thank God God is not a man. Thank God he's not a man. Because we, you, you, our response to a man on the ground is, let's finish him, finish him. You understand? Meanwhile, you don't understand that with your words, you are ripping people apart. And yet in Romans 8-1, it says, there is no condemnation for them who are in Christ. Because he keeps no record of your wrongs. He's looking at you, calling you to a place of wholeness. Already when already was praying, she referred to the woman that was caught in adultery. But if it were us, you would cast that first stone, I think God will even be careful this time. You know, He will say, If you have no sin, cast the first stone. Our generation, our self-righteousness, runs deep. So we would the first the stone would have left your hand before he said, I, I didn't check. Because there's no capacity to reflect. So nobody knows them. they always they can look past the pole in their own eyes and see the pole in your eye. That's how you know. Then he said, How can you let the pole in your eyes see through? Why? Because the love of God that is the transformative force of our lives have not settled in your heart. My prayer again. As we journey through this session is you find meaning in God's love for you. You find acceptance in God's love for you. So you're not trying to accept. You're not trying to end him. He's yours. Guess what? He took the initiative to come after us. It wasn't our idea. The the, the man that is dead in sin, dead in trespasses cannot for the life of him understand anything about pursuing God. He's dead in his trespasses. We need God's intervention. He broke into culture. came for us. You're worth that. So how is this your worth? Your worth is seen that if he could give his life, for your life, you're worth something. You're worth the sacrifice. So don't let anybody tell you you're worthless. Don't let because you didn't get a job, you feel worthless. Because you didn't, get a, you didn't pass an exam, you don't have a degree, you feel worthless. Those things pale into insignificance in the context of his love, radically loved by him. Reckless, they said, is the love. Recklessness is not a word that you use very lightly. When they call you reckless when we're growing up, reckless is reckless. Is reckless. My brother, if you're called resc- reckless, is rascal. rascal. Yeah, but yeah, that's the word chosen, radically, beloved by him. Because that love can break your boundaries. If that weight of his love rests on you, you can never remain the same. My prayer is he will overshadow you indeed. All right. So again, I want to talk about son. So, you know, we, we talk about sonship here very much at the tribe. That when you find yourself as loved by God, your second ad- identity is that you're son of God. And as a son of God, understand something very clear. That God is your source, all right? And you are a son. So what? He has adopted you as a son. And guess what? Your life is now lived in the context of your father. A son doesn't exactly have an agenda outside his father's business. A son is already an extension of his father. So the father's heart is the son's heart You cannot have a, separate life, a life separate from your father. You now have his heart. You now have his passion. You now have his will. And he's not working in every son to will and to do his good pleasures. That's the beauty of sonship, that God is powering your every move. So I don't understand people that will tell me that I'm afraid of making mistakes. I say, don't even bother. Because as a son, so long as you have that union life, one with him, I'm only going to be worried about you if your intimacy is broken. I'm going to be worried about you if you don't invest time to cultivate the environment in which you can thrive. But if you have those two things, every option, every choice you make for him, he's in it. Whether you decide to do him here or do whether you decide to be at the tribe or go to house on the rock, he's in your choice. Be free. Don't be in paralyzed, don't be paralyzed here. Your choices of life should never be limited because of all of these things. That's what culture does to you. Try to limit you. Go wherever you be. And trust me, these boundaries are false. In God's mind, he doesn't see tribe, he doesn't see house on the rock, he doesn't see everything. He sees his body. These are only constructs of our minds, the only const- and they are deeper for some people. You know, people were fighting each other and i was like when i see this my friend i was like we also also like but people are fighting like during this election people are fighting each other like if supporting me and supporting them and i'm like when i sit down with these guys we hug we celebrate it's not a war but some people outside don't know how deep they are personal about it say no don't say that but that's the tendency of human mind to build walls and today religion has created more walls than we fear denomination has weakened the body by pushing who we are not rather than who we are many people have chosen to define ourselves by who we are not we cannot be known by what we hate the proof of god in our life is that we are known by his love that we live that's not your own basis of christianity i don't know what else should be okay let's let's up let's wrap up on this yeah um now where am i from psalm 139 verse 14 says i praise you because i'm fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful, I know that full well. Now check this for a second, why I need you to take away something from here? It ties very strongly to your identity, your value, and your meaning. So think of it for a second. A product from a company, I think Samsung, they called back a phone two years ago. That one that was overheating, what's that model? Note 5. They had to call it back. And you know when they called it back, did they they ask you to pay for a new one? If you had bought that phone, as you are coming back to them, They were giving you another one that was functional or even your money back. Maybe Nigeria, I don't know. I know our own process. So I don't know if it happened here fully. But in other parts of the world, people returned their own and nobody gave them warranty form. How many do you feel? Nobody gave them that kind of biggie. So the point again is, at the end of the day, the manufacturers, Samsung had something to protect a brand because it was their image that was on that phone. And if that phone dysfunctions, they are, they, it, it comes to them. It's for their namesake that they fix the phone. So check this out. In Psalm 22, 22, verse 2 to 3. 23, 2 to 3 says, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For what? His namesake. Think for a second. If Samsung would recall a dying phone because he had a name to protect, why won't your father? So on one level, understand you value something. It's not your, it's not your battle, it's it? So, God is committed to your success. Because if you, don't, if you dysfunction, it's him. It's, you carry his image. So, his, that's why you're worth the sacrifice. You know when Jesus told them, give to Caesar what is Caesar. Give to God give to God what is God. They never, it never clicked in their mind that they were made in the image and likeness of God. If they were giving the image of Caesar on a coin to Caesar, they were meant to give their lives, the image of, their, of God and the life to him. It didn't click for a second. But this morning, your worth is found in your manufacturer's eyes. For you, he called it back to fix it. God is committed that every Samsung brand, they wanted to work. Every iPhone brand, the way Steve Jobs used to unveil it, is magical. That was the same way when, when he made Adam. God, you know, when God saw Adam the first time, God did Barak. He saw him. God, you know, he said he, he he was he was in awe of man. God was like, wow, this is good. God was excited at the first sight of man. And that's the definition of you first, not Genesis 3. If you continue to use the fall of man as your definition of what, your redemptive rights will never crystallize. You'll, be always, you'll always live less than your redemptive benefits. Because Genesis, 3 was, came, Genesis 2, he made you the image and likeness. And he said, have dominion, be fruitful, subdue the earth. Yet religion has taken Genesis 3, the fall of man, and made an industry. In fact, there was a book we wrote called "Original Sin." Then, after that, "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God." So they, they drove home the points. They drove home that point. An entire that's why American is polarized because a lot of their theology was built on sinners in the hands of an angry God. So the evangelicals cannot see beyond. Their, they don't understand kingdom. They are fighting. No, no, no. Vote like this. Vote like this. Vote like this. But why? But the love he has called you. Meanwhile, all these men they were preaching sinners in the hands of an angry God. They had slaves. Industries of it. Yet, they, they, they would even read a, a scripture or two while they are flogging their slaves. They say, their slave, Paul told them to simons. go back to your owner. Today you will receive 12 flags. So the love of God, the revelation of God they had could not bring them to a the point where they could free themselves. All right, from it. Let's go to the next. Uh, where am I here? For we are God's handwork created in Christ Jesus. We created in Christ Jesus that we may do that, those good works with God, which God predestined and everything has become new from God he who has reconciled us to himself the Messiah has given us the reconciliation the ministry of reconciliation I'm dropping this thing here to give you the fact that you are in partnership with God on earth our job here is to reconcile men to him so first of all if you go to work, your job is not to earn salary that is just a byproduct of why you're there your job is not first there in the marketplace you are in the first emission field so understand that those people, so you cannot go to work and begin to dissect people through your, your tongue. And decimate them, why? Because you're not understanding that your light, your salt, your worth is meant to inspire and bring hope. So you must be the source of encouragement in your place of work. Everyone who is broken say, I don't tire. Don't, don't say, me too. <laughs> no, you don't form a pity party and then sit down and say, let's ha- catch up after that drink, and you dissect all your bosses. That one with his big head break, they dissect everybody you understand but that is not the call we're not called to act like that there is a there's an agenda we have subscribed to to love and serve god and to love and serve others if all you do is serve yourself you know the truth as painful and as strange as this will sound you'll be of all men most miserable because the human god didn't design us to serve self our greatest fulfillment is found in service to god and to others so whenever we come in, we are not seeking to take to contribute. Wherever we come, we're, not sh- we're, we're trying to give, not always about what do I have to get. When you get, your hands are closed, but when you give, they're open. And when he sees it open, he will give you more than you can ever imagine. So for us, we, we, if we break into generosity, we'll assess greater des- destiny. That you're just one generosity away from a breakthrough. But your limiting mindset of culture, of being owning, you know, owning and owning, doesn't add up for us. Alright, the last one I'll say is where am I going? You will hear a voice behind you saying this is the way, follow it. Whether it turns to the right or to the left. As sons, understand clearly that you already have the spirit of God inside of you. And that spirit is leading you every step of the way. Learn to live life from there. But you know sometimes when we face issues, we don't take out time to reflect. So sometimes when people want me to answer something, I'll tell them give me a day. Because I need to go spend some time to just process it, reflect and pray. I just always need to do that. Sometimes I know the answer but I need to check discern it now we discern as we go through life so you cannot live life from outside it's not the opinion of your aunt or uncle all the time always go to God first and tell uncle this is what God is saying to me first and tell uncle pray with me now I put this one here where there is no guidance a people falls but in an abundance of counselors there is safety I'm saying this to say as we are going God is not giving us solo so even while you have to hear God he puts us in community to confirm. So he says in the, council, in the, in the community of counselor, there's safety. So if only you, nobody can talk to you. Only you, you have figured out life. I don't know that that's what we're going on. So you cannot, you cannot that autonomy, in as much as we have, the spirit of, we, have, we have the spirit of God, we're in community. So I'm checking. I'm calling already. Actually, what do you guys think? Can we? What are we sensing? We're praying. i asked Lily, what do you think about this? And every time I discuss with them, we expand some more we learn even more from that. But when you begin to work with God, you understand that guidance is not always something God gives. It's something God does. May this unpack for you as you go home. Because I will not go too much into it. It's something God does as you go through. So it's not about sitting down here, pink or blue, pink or yellow, 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 yellow. The point is that in God, don't. And whenever you get to a point, and you're like, should I is it akara or moi moi God is not that mundane God is not that mundane at the point he has given you a will and trust me you understand if you learn to you listen to your heart why would I love to go I mean I, I love rock music yeah and why because somehow along the line somebody shaped my influence with rock music so if I meet somebody that likes your love and there are many all right I will not undermine that person's choice because of mine those are preferences God is not about preferences. Preferences are your, within the purview of your will. They're within the purview of your own will. But he walks in you to will now. What he does is change your heart. So when he crystallizes your heart, your motives are pure. So you're not responding out of a place of fear. You're not responding out of a place of self. So if you're loving somebody, you're not loving somebody because you want to sleep with them. That the, day you, the reason why you gave a lift to ajar in traffic was because you, you had an intention. You know, that is not what it is. All right, so let's, let's wrap up on this. Now, these are three powerful quotes I wanted to uh, wrap up with. But don't forget what I'm saying here. Meaning is found in words, our intimate relationship with God. As we renew our minds, our meaning increases. Because sometimes you know it in your heart, but your head has not quite crystallized it. Or you might know some of it in your head, but your heart has not set in the reality of it. So you need to renew your mind to align. So my father, that's where we're struggling, our minds have not taken hold of that which we have received in the spirit alright, because it, you can receive a revelation today in your heart, your heart has somehow cannot articulate it, it for you to render it in your mind some people, it took, takes two years you are still processing that revelation, he loves me he loves me, you have not arrived so this is what John Piper said, he said God is most glorified in us, let's read it together God is most glorified in us We are most satisfied in him. Pause for a second. Nothing can give you full satisfaction but God. So let God be your meaning. Let him be your significance. Let him be the definition of your value. When you've built on that, everything else that you put on it will not own you. Will not add to you. But you control them. So keep this at the back of your mind. God is most glorified in us. when We are most satisfied in him. Secondly, see what Seth Augustine said in his book, Confessions. You should read it. Because that guy was one guy that saw, he saw the new. Even while he was a Catholic priest, he saw the new. He said, Our heart is restless until it rests in you. You will not find rest if He is not first your rest. You must find rest in Him and then you can pick up from there. The God shaped void in our hearts is the definition of meaning. Only He can feel it. All right? The last one, if there is no, if there is no, Ravi Zachariah said this. He said, If there is no larger meaning to life, then life is without a driving force, without overall substance or explanation. Ravi is giving you context. Because you meet all these um, people who believe in Scientology, they will tell you of how the cosmic accident brought about the third poles, third poles now morph into, that that doesn't even make sense on many levels. Because if at all, you know, I used to tell them, then I had time for this argument, I'll be saying that if at all we were in an evolutionary process, there should be a morphing of some sort going on. So if you cannot see what they call the missing link, at least McFoy should have been looking more ambidestrous. You now know that. Oh, for, are you evolving to amorphous? You understand. No, there, there should be some. So, man was. When you look at intelligent design, God was detailed in everything He built. Like, if you have to displace the sun by an inch, the entire galaxy will implode. But He's holding everything with the word of His power. God is deliberate. So should you. Your life was never an accident. Our life is not a meaningless circle of events of going through life. He purposed us for now. On Sunday, we spoke about how he even predestined that we we'll all be here at the same time, learning the things that he wants to do in us, shaping our lives. As you are learning this, you will grow in faith. You will grow in love. You will grow in rest. If you find your meaning in God, you will not be restless. A bad day for you is just a, a perspective away. So you are not going to be burdened by that. Like, I didn't get the job. My life is over. You know you're worth more than that job. In fact, it's their loss, not yours, that it didn't take you because you were bringing something that they didn't have to that place. So don't feel less than you are because you, somebody has set a parameter that is not even confined. That's culture, not Christ. Christ, yourself, actualized. You are not going through Abraham, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We're not today, food. Then, after food, shelter, self esteem, love, sex. Sex is where? Before self esteem. That's a broken man's model. Then, by the time you're not Johnny John, you now come and say, "Now I'm self actualized. Let's do a few charity works." Rubbish, rubbish. In Christ, we already self actualized. He turned it upside down, so he gets us to give, not because we're waiting to achieve. We're not climbing a ladder. We are already in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You understand? Sex does not define us. We define it. We, you know, we use it for procreation. We use it for. It is a gift. It's our father's design. Y'all gonna wait till you're married. So, so at the end of the day it's the father's design but you don't put, take it out we have the context so for a meaning today just whisper a prayer the father if there are areas in my life where I'm still struggling to find my identity my identity is still in my car it's still in my degree it's still in my profile it's still in my family all of those things they are nice to have but they are not the base for which you are so put God first on the foundation and then everything else can come on, the, on, the, on, the, on top of that if your meaning is still in your salary on your bank account and the day God is telling you empty that bank account you hear the demon say get thee behind me Lord because your mind that is your worth he needs to expand your mind so you can accommodate that which he wants to give so Father we are just praying this that you help us to find our meaning in you our worth in you, our value in you, our significance our identity that the events of life will not define us that the circumstances of our lives, that which we have or don't have, cannot define us. So suppose so for a second. I, we, I remember we asked this question here at the tribe. That a doctor plunged himself into Third Mainland Bridge two years ago, last year. Early last year. A doctor pulled over, told his driver, I need to pee. And the next thing, he jumped into the lagoon, and that was the end of him. And he was coming from what Church. The pain for me is what is that thing that has so defined you that if you lose it today, it will make your life worth not worth living? What is that thing that you're pursuing so hard that if you fail to achieve it today, your life becomes meaningless? Meaning is Christ. You already have him. Meaning grows with the intimacy we have with the Holy Spirit. We already have him. As we renew our minds, we will come into the full understanding of that. Amen. Please, I want us to celebrate um, Isaac's parents are here. Welcome. <laughs>
2: So please, um, if you have questions, or n- no comments today, I don't want comments. Questions, just questions. If you have questions, less, us um, questions. Anybody with questions? While we are thinking of questions, I want to give you um a testimony. Yesterday was a fantastic. Who was up for the workers' meeting? Was it good? It was beautiful. So we had a workers' meeting yesterday. It was fantastic. It was good. So we had fantastic um morning and from the workers meeting i went to go and MC a wedding so i left church bubbling i got home sad and i'll tell you why i left on a high and then i went to, to wedding and it was a big was a very very massive wedding like an amazing wedding and I was the mc first of all i felt on that charge i should have built this guy times 10. he was my junior in school I said, Foy, I have a wedding. Come and help me. He said, can okay, I will help you, my boy, my boy. Ha. <laughs> he lied. It was podium. It was landmark. Ha. So it wasn't... No, he didn't lie. He didn't lie. They changed the venue. Uh, God forgive me. So, but I was angry. I got to the wedding yesterday and I saw somebody using trolley to push money for spray. No, I'm serious. Baba <laughs> kane it can break a man. It can break a man. It can break a man. They're trolling I said, God, this thing will solve my problem. <laughs> I, just, all my problem is for. I, I, I came back angry. They just. You know, when Ibos want to flex, was, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. All my morning meaning from God left. All oh, gone. But then, sorry, sorry it's paid, paid me. My wife was asking me, are you okay? I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> What's it meaning? But, but the reason why I share is that most of us do not protect our, our discovery. You must learn to protect yourself. You must learn to protect yourself. Most of us are on a journey of discovery. Protect that journey. Because some of us, you, will, you reach 30%, you will see somebody, you're back to zero again. I'm not wrong you must let you must let it fully render you must let that thing fully render so please because I I, I, I let the lesson yesterday that I should have guarded my heart but the truly how ah, can ah, 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 they be doing this yeah so, yeah so question do you have a question please a oh, comment or question okay Please share. Please, please.
3: Um, it's a poem I wrote months ago, like last year, early last year. Um, and I wasn't thinking about it at all. I wasn't meant to come here today. Um, but when pastor was preaching, I just was reminded. Um, and then I was like, I'm not doing this. Um, but then he said... The same verse that I had written here which was Ephesians 2:10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do um, so the poem is in Christ alone to stand and be encouraged to not be worried Old things are new and ashes become beauty there's transformation and renewal a peace that passes all in Christ alone you become whole and there is a home. Come as you are and let the word wash over, over your sins, over your pain, over who you were, to be an image of the one above, to be a true son of God, a daily worship, and always prayer, you as you are, as you were, to be created, called, and cared for. In Christ alone, where wishes become prayers that are answered, To come as you are, to come to Christ, is to become who you were always meant to be, in Christ alone. To revel in his majesty, to be known from the beginning to every end of you, to be a carefully thought-out creation, to find identity is to be in Christ alone. What do you do when um, there are some things that happen in your life that you totally cannot explain? It's almost like it's a pattern. Like it just keeps happening. No matter what you do, what do you do?
2: Freddy. <laughs> what
1: trap me? <laughs> for a second, I was happy that for is holding the mic. But I think Romans 12, verse 2 puts it in context for us um, to renew our minds by the word. And the word is more powerful than we know. Um, For me, I've I've also realized that there are patterns in my life that I've overcome. And um, sometimes I even get back to some of them every once in a while, but it's when I let the habit drop. So, for instance, in just even staying on the word and growing in my conscious identity of who I am in Him and my awareness in Him, a lot of the battles we face, once you're born again, I I know strongly that every spiritual course is broken. The hold they have over us sometimes is more mental. So you realize that if you've been through a trauma, the trauma is almost unconscious. So you have to work and renew your mind because your conscious mind is deep. So it's actually deep and it's there. I, remember I almost drowned at some point, all right? But there was this time I went to swim and I entered water and I started struggling to breathe and I wasn't drowning. But that's, I just realized that, so even when I came out, I was, I was, I just didn't understand. So it was unconscious, and I have not processed it. So there's something called healing of the memory, or healing of the mind. As we open ourselves to the Word, and the work with the Holy Spirit, He does that. Now, part of this is also helpful, because in hearing and conversing, God is also shaping us in community. So even I, I was the other that was telling them how God healed me. Here at the tribe, I always used to make decisions like, if somebody does something bad to me, sometimes I don't have second layer. You understand? I, I just think this person is trying to kill me. Like there's a way my mind amplifies it. So the other time, now, but I, after two years of the tribe, the other day I was getting to that point, and God just stopped me and said, "Freddie, be patient. I'm working in that person, and I'm working in you. So both of you work in progress." <laughs> and He humbled me. So, your mind, open yourself to the word as much as possible. Cultivate it. Stay there. I don't know how long it will take. It might be shorter than you think, but that's the only way I know you can break free.
0: You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless 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 Lagos. Hello. This is The Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of The Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen.
4: Okay, you may be seated. Just love people times 50. If you're really wise, just love them times 50, and you've obeyed today. Bless you guys, it's so good to be back in Nigeria, and to see the hunger for the prophetic in Nigeria has been awesome. How many are you hungry for the prophetic? How many are you hungry to, to walk in the prophetic? Wave at me, wave at me, Are oh, the rest of you, look at the rest of them and say, I don't know why you're here if you're not hungry for that. Okay, I'm here uh, with my gorgeous damsel. The only one that makes my leg to shake. (laughs) The water in my melon. The gift in my prophecy. Let's give a big God bless you to Tamar Ariami. Come on, let's celebrate her with a big adulation. She is awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For those of you who who stood for her beauty, you'll have beautiful spouses in Jesus' name. I'm joking. That was a bit manipulative. Anyway, it's so good to be here today. It's good to be back with you all. And this is the final night of, uh, of our trip here, my wife and I. And then we go home back to our son. And then we're heading off to South Africa. And then we go back home. Then we're heading off somewhere else. And so we are so, but can I just say something? of? We probably travel to one or two nations a month, but my favorite by far is Nigeria. And, and I say that not just because I'm Nigerian. I say it genuinely because the hunger for the prophetic here out-accelerates anything my wife and I have ever seen anywhere in the earth. And we're so glad uh, that you have welcomed and received Uh, the prophets and the prophetic again. Why do I say that? Because I actually believe the prophetic has a lot to apologize for. I believe it's married some people, buried some people, sent some people places they didn't want to go, made some people eat grass. Amen. Um, Searched people on Facebook before they gave prophecies. All of these things. And so, you know, Um, 90% of my job is apologizing for what the prophetic has done and the damage that it has caused. But just as I said yesterday, I say again today, we don't throw out the real because of the fake. In fact, the fake is evidence that the real exists. And if we are focused and keyed in, we'll have access to that. How many can prophesy? Wave at me. How many can prophesy? Good, there's, there's, there's a couple of you. How I many you can hear God's voice wave at me. You can hear God's voice wave at me. Just a couple of you again. Do me, I always do this. Just do me a favor. Take a deep breath in. Everybody, one, two, three, in. And at the top of your lungs, just go. That's good. That means every one of you qualifies. Why? The Bible says in John chapter 15, my sheep hear my voice. I mean, you can hear God's voice now? Wave at me. That's good. Every born-again New Testament believer can and should hear the voice of God. Now, I want to lay some foundations today because I believe that many of you came here tonight to receive a prophecy. And I, I want to give you some good news. You're going home with a prophecy. It's just not coming from me. Look at the person next to you. And smile. And tell them, my next word is coming from you tonight. Amen. Amen. The reason I believe that the Holy Ghost has called this conference shift is because now the prophetic gets to shift over to you and you get to be some of the ones that get to move in the anointing of the Spirit of God to prophesy. Amen? So we're going to minister tonight. We're going to preach tonight. We're going to demonstrate tonight. And then we're going to prophesy tonight. And then we're going to sign some books. How many of you have got Eat, Sleep, Prophesy, Repeat? How many of you got it? Just a couple of you. Really? You know, people say to me, and every people write me on Instagram. I can't tell you how many Instagram messages I get from people saying, Please, please, mentor me. Mentor me. I need a spiritual father, and it's you. First of all, no. Second of all, second of all, if you want mentorship, buy my book. There's Mentorship 101 right there. Why do I say no? Not because I'm cruel. Not because I don't want to mentor you. I actually believe that discipleship without proximity is a fan club. And if I'm going to disciple you, I want to walk hand in hand with you. I want to be able to to, to rub shoulders with you. I don't believe in social media discipleship. I believe fo- when Jesus said, follow me, he didn't mean on Twitter. Oh, come on, don't shut me down because I'm teaching good. I believe that's what he meant and so i believe in genuine heartfelt one-on-one discipleship i'm not an elite prophet it's not my assignment it's not my anointing i'm not one that says i have all the secrets of the kingdom and if you want them when i finish today i'm going to close the door and walk out a back room somewhere and be in a special closet for only god's anointed no i believe all the lord's people are anointed And that the Spirit of God wants to put His Spirit on every single one of you. And the good news is, there is no junior Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? There is no junior Holy Spirit. That means you can get just as strong a word from here as you can get from the person sitting next to you. Even if they're practicing, the Holy Spirit is not practicing. Practicing. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And so we're going to turn this into a little bit of teaching, but also a little bit of a school of prophets so that we we can pull out the prophetic on the inside of you. Then I'm going to lay hands. I haven't laid hands here before, but I'm going to lay hands. I got told off. Uh, by one of my uncles he said tell me you don't lay hands and yet you tell us we're all called to prophesy but you don't impart anything so I want to release an impartation and let me tell you something those of you who haven't dreamed or seen visions before you're getting ready to dream and see visions like you've never seen before that's one of the anointings on my life people say since you prayed for me I just can't stop dreaming and seeing visions as part of what the prophetic gets to do. But let me just share something very quickly because of time. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 says, From the days of John the Baptist, who was John a prophet, from the days of John the Baptist until the present time. Until what? The present time. What do we mean by the present time? We mean the 25th of February, 2019 at 7 o'clock p.m. From the days of John the Baptist until today, the kingdom of heaven has been, another translation says, forcefully advancing. This is good news. Can I tell you why it's good news? Because God is winning. Nigeria, God is winning. Nigeria God is winning. He's not losing. He's not sitting up there going, oh my goodness, I can't believe APC, PDP and ABC won. God's not sitting there scratching his head going, I can't believe this happened. The good news is God is winning. Why? Because God's kingdom is forcefully advancing. Not weekly, not woefully, not even Sunday time advancing. God's kingdom is every single day advancing. We think the kingdom advances only on Sunday. No, God's kingdom is Monday to Sunday, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, forcefully advancing. And let me tell you something about God. God has no retreat mechanism in him. God never retreats. Look at the person next to you and say, God never retreats. Find somebody who looks less suspicious and tell them God never retreats. For God, retreat is not an option. It is non-optional. It is not a burden in his mind. It is not a bone in his body. Men may retreat. The church may retreat. But God will always forcefully advance. Tony, do this. Oh, that's good, brother. Oh, we're making a beatbox now. I'm about to drop a beat, Tamar. My wife's like, don't do it, please. Okay. God's kingdom is like a steam train. It's never retreating. It's never stopping. It's always going forward. The question is Nigeria. The question is church. When God's kingdom is advancing, what are you doing? I want to explain something. It's going to be really hard for me to explain in a short space of time. In fact, I probably have to put this all in a book just for you to get the fullness of it. God's kingdom is so advancing. What is a forceful? advancing kingdom look like. A forcefully advancing kingdom looks like this. God will use anyone. Look at your neighbor and say anyone. Look at your other neighbor and say anyone. Good or bad. Say good or bad. To advance his kingdom. God will use anyone. Good all bad to advance his kingdom. And the misconception of the church for years, you have been taught the wrong lesson. You have been taught that the kingdom is inside the church. The kingdom is not inside the church. The church is inside the kingdom. Are you getting something? I hope we can slow down the movement. I'm so sorry, but when I'm preaching like this, I don't like movement. I'm really sorry. So if we can just slow it down just a little bit, I don't want anybody to be distracted today. God's kingdom, God's church is inside God's kingdom. Good people are inside of the kingdom. Bad people are inside of the kingdom. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? The kingdom is for anybody, good or bad. Now let me give you an example of this. The Bible says that one day there was a Greek woman, and she comes to Jesus, and she begs Jesus, and she says, Jesus, please, would you heal my daughter? And Jesus ignores her. The Bible says she starts off begging and Jesus ignores her. And then she starts worshipping and Jesus turns around and he looks at her and he says, it is not right for me to give the children's food to a dog. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, what Jesus was trying to say to this woman was that she is not a child of God. She is not inside of the covenant. For Christ did not come to the world initially. He came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So here comes this Greek woman trying to get a healing. And healing doesn't belong to the world. She said, He said, I can't give what belongs to the children of God and go serve it to the dog. But this woman said something. But if the church would understand, we would sit up real quick. She said, yes, I understand that. But even a dog knows how to position itself. So what the church doesn't want, who am I talking to today? So what the church doesn't want, the dogs will eat the crumbs. And I sat there, and I said, God, do you mean that people in the world can prosper from crumbs? And we the church have the whole loaf. There are worldly people getting blessed off of crumbs. We have the whole loaf, but nobody healed in the church. Nobody can get blessed in the church. Nobody can come together in the church. Why? Because is it possible that we've got familiar with a God we barely even know? Listen to me. In the book of, I want to tell you very quickly, I've been showing this across these four days, I'm going to say it again. Where are we right now on God's calendar prophetically? That's what everybody should be asking themselves. The most powerful people on the face of planet Earth today are not people who get another prophecy. They're people who can find themselves on God's prophetic calendar right now. When Jesus opens the book and he says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel and then he closed the book. That was the moment Jesus found himself in the text on God's prophetic calendar and he became the most powerful person in the room at that moment. When in the book of Acts, they opened up and Peter stood up and said, we're not drunk as you presume. This is what the Lord spoke about. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Please, I need ushers to, to minimize the movement as much as possible. I don't play with the anointing. I, I, I'm sorry I get quite verbose when God is moving. I, I want people to please just take a chair and, and, and minimize the movement. That's okay, I'm not I'm 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 just trying to I appreciate you. How are you? Good to see you again. You well, I'm just saying hi. When God is speaking in the book of Joshua, the Bible says, Now let me show you where you are on God's calendar right now. You are no longer in Nigeria in Passover. The Spirit of God says, You are now in crossover. When you were in Passover, you were in slavery and bondage. When you were in Passover, you were under rule, under empire spirits, under British colonialization. But can I tell you something? Now you are in crossover. You are no longer in Egypt. You are now at the Jordan and you're getting ready to step into your promise. And yet some of you may be saying, well, God, if that's true, why am I still where I'm at? Why am I still going around the same circle? Why is my nation still voting for the wrong people? Why? Because God will leave you in a wilderness to decide whether you want to go forward or whether you want to go backwards. And I believe sitting in this room today is a prophetic people who are tired of going around the same mountain and they're saying, God, it's now time for us to forcefully advance your kingdom. Now, what does a forceful kingdom advancement look like? Forceful advancement kingdom looks like breaking up With all covenant relationships just to step into jealously what the Spirit of God has for you. I'll give you an example. Ruth and and Orpah, all of a sudden their husbands die. We all know the story in the book of Ruth. And Naomi, their mother-in-law, is left with herself. She's lost her husband. Now there are three widows all living in a desperate situation. But she heard in Israel, God had visited his people. In other words, there was now a crossover season that she was getting ready to step into. And let me tell you something crossover season, you get connected to your Boaz. And Boaz means to quicken. Boaz means to accelerate. That means everything that was delayed before in crossover, there is such a payback that comes upon you that the Spirit of God accelerates your time. But, and here's the but, in order for you to cross over Nigeria, you must be willing to accept that there are people who you love who don't want to cross over. Well, amen, I'll take it. You have to accept that there are people you love and you care about but all they want to talk about is Egypt. You see, the Bible says, when Naomi heard of this new visitation, Orpah said, I'm coming with you. Ruth said, I'm coming with you. Naomi said, no, guys, stay here. I can't take care of you. I got nothing for you. Stay here. And the Bible says, Orpah stayed, Ruth clave. In other words, hear what the Spirit of God is saying. You can be sitting right next to somebody who you love and care about, and they have the same language as you do. You both speak kingdom, but kingdom is not what you speak. Kingdom is what you do. So you can go to churches that say we're kingdom, we're kingdom, we're kingdom and they're not kingdom, they're just empire guys as kingdom. Orpah and Ruth spoke the same language and that's the confusion because the kingdom of heaven is like chaff and wheat and they both look the same. They both sound the same. They both praise the same. They both shout the same. They both say hallelujah. The only difference is one's hallelujah is rehearsed. Because when it comes time to actually do kingdom and not just talk kingdom, oppa stays and root Cleaves. Are you hearing this? Why? Why? Let me tell you something. If you are going to cross over, you have to be Ruth. Ruth is ruthless. Ruth grew up with Orpah. They watched Netflix together. They, 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 they did their hair. They braided their hair together. They, they, they attached their crochet in. How hotly where my sisters are together. They talked whilst they're doing their hair about how all men are the same, honey. Let me tell you something about men. And they're talking and they, 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 they're spirit sisters. They hashtag together. Spirit sisters they do selfies and they share the same Instagram page and they love each other when it's time to advance the kingdom. i got to go. This Jesus didn't have 12 disciples. He had thousands. Thousands. I'll follow you. Let me go and bury my dad. And Jesus said, let the dead. You want to forcefully advance my kingdom. you got to let go of your orpus. If you want Boaz, I said this before, you have to be willing to let go of brocass Lying ass, cheating ass, dumb ass, stupid ass, beat your ass, just to get to Boaz. They're looking at me like I'm crazy. I am a little crazy. There are people who are in open churches Oh, you say, oh, this is what prophets do. Prophets prophesy our names, our surnames. That's not prophets. We prophets, we deal in truth and transformation. I don't. All this you've made us out to be about, tell me about my name and my surname and my dog's name. I, we can do that another day. Now we've got to get you into advancing the kingdom. You know your name. You don't need me to tell you. When are we going to forcefully advance the kingdom? When are we going to move from where we are to where God wants us to be? Can I tell you why? Because if you don't do it, Elijah said, God, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left in God said, "No, you. ain't. It? Who do you think you are? Sitting there talking about, I, God, I know you called me, but I'm just scared. I'm just scared. Let me give you another definition of fear, self-centeredness. Oh God, I know you've called me, but I'm too afraid. I know you've seen me, but God, I'm just scared. I'm just scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. I, 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 me. When the attention is on you, of course you'll be afraid. When you think you're the one that's going to do it, of course you'll be afraid. No, I'm not getting any amens today. That's okay. No, when the amens go down, it means you're doing a good job. You have to understand. Because you're breaking the rehearsals. Let me let me let me explain something to you. God looked at Elijah and said, I got seven thousand. Look at the person next to you and say, if you won't do it, God has seven thousand replacements for you. Say, if you Look at them and say, if you're still hanging on to ja Fool and Justin's Tim's a fake and Tyra bankrupt and all your little cutesy people, you'll never advance the kingdom. Nigeria, you're no longer in Egypt. Stop rehearsing it oh egypt was so terrible oh egypt oh it was so much fun oh our spiritual leaders how they controlled us how they broke our hearts i don't want a father anymore i don't need a spiritual father i'm just going to be me myself and i and do it by myself oh oh it's so terrible do you want to talk about egypt or do you want to talk about canaan Because if you want to talk about Canaan, you can stop circling the same mountain. Stop dating the same falls. Stop having the same spiritual fathers who break your heart over and over again. But what do you want to talk about? Because whatever you rehearse, you'll relive. Over and over again. Don't ask me, ask your neighbor, they'll tell you. Do you want to move on or do you want to talk about you? Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because this, Nigeria, if this doesn't make you annoyed, I don't know what will. When God was getting ready to cross over into Canaan, Joseph was camped outside of Jericho for seven days. And there was crossover. And God shows up to Joshua and he says, Moses, my servant is dead. In other words, the old way things used to go is over. The prophet that led you out is gone. The old denominational system is dead. It's all over. And I've got to tell you now because you've got to grieve it and get over it. And then it says the way you are going. You have never been this way before. So if you're looking for a model Behind you, you're never gonna get it. Oh, I like this excitement. You don't understand. Never it's dead. It's gone. It's over. So what do we do? They camp for seven days, they're waiting. Oh God, give us strategy. They're praying, God, give us give us something we can do to break forward, to forcefully advance your kingdom in Nigeria. And all of a sudden, the captain of the army of the host of the Lord shows up with a sword drawn out in his hand. And how do I know that this was a type of Christ? Because the Bible says when Joshua saw him, he worshipped him. And Revelation says we don't worship the angels. So Yeshua HaMashiach showed up to Yeshua, son of none. There was a Yeshua showdown. And he shows up with a sword in his hand. And look at this the sword is not drawn at Jericho, the sword is drawn at Joshua. Joshua is on the other edge of this sword and he's saying hang on God whose side are you on? Are you for us? Or against us? And God says neither. What's this? Are you PDP? Or ABC? And God says, neither. What's this? Are you Christian or Muslim? And God says, neither. Because God is not limited to using you to get breakthrough. He wants to use you but he's not limited to you because we think God is Christian and the world is secular, but yet on the other side of the wall, God has a prostitute. In Passover, God led you through a prophet. In crossover, God leads you through a prostitute. Watch this. A hooker became their hookup. I'm getting excited all by myself. I'm going to have church with just me right now. A hooker became their hookup. Why? Because God will use anyone, good or bad, to forcefully advance his kingdom. He'll use a Muslim if he wants to. He'll use a Christian if he wants to. He'll use Pharaoh if he wants to. He'll use Nebuchadnezzar if he wants to. Because my God isn't limited to man's ideologies. And listen to me, Nigeria the Lord said this, there are many of you who are saying God give us a Christian leader, give us a Christian leader and we'll be okay, you can have a Christian stupid leader don't, don't look at me like I'm crazy, I'm still going to preach like this anyway I'm going home tomorrow, so I'll preach the same way anyhow, you can look at me the any way you, I'm preaching God said when you go to Nigeria tell them this do not try to rehab my rehabs yeah, cuz what's going on in America right now is they cried out for a Christian and God gave them a Trump he gave him a rehab and they're like what is this heathen doing on the On the throne, he says he's a Christian, but he's not. Can I tell you something? Stop asking God for a Christian and start asking God for a Cyrus. Because a Cyrus, according to Isaiah 45, a Cyrus doesn't know God. But God knows a Cyrus. How is that possible? The Bible says in the book of James, "How be it that Rahab the prostitute was considered righteous? How can a woman who sleeps around for a living be considered righteous?" I have lost the church. Half of you just looking like, "Who is this crazy man? How can a, how can a hooker?" I'm gonna hook her. She makes money from sleeping around. And yet the book of James says she was considered righteous for what she did. You see, the church, all we want to do is talk, all we want to do is shout. All we want to do is say, hallelujah, preach, preacher. But the Bible says, if you're hearers of the word and not doers. You're just deceiving yourself. All we're doing is playing church. But until we go from being hearers to being doers, God will raise up Rahabs whilst the church is just playing church. song we sing, if you don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. And the conclusion is, I don't want a rock crying out for me. Nigeria, let me just share this with you very quickly. You are not failing because of corruption. England has corruption. We're just more organized. We're just more institutionalized. You're not failing because of corruption. You're not failing because of a lack of resources. You have oil. You have just discovered you have gas. You have minerals. Why is it that we're failing? We're not failing because of a lack of resources. We're failing because of a lack of resourcefulness. When you put a Nigerian in Nigeria, something happens. But when you put a Nigerian in the UK, they succeed. Why? Because too much resources can damage resourcefulness. Nigeria, you have too much church. How can we have too much church? It's not possible. How can this man say we have too much church? There's never enough church. There's too much church. You have more churches than influence. Everybody, listen to me. You don't realize something. It took God one day to get Israel out of Egypt. It took him 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. So we've left the empire, and now we're building empire. We've left the empire. And now we're building empire churches, empire ministries. I need to plant a thousand churches. Why? To what end? Because if Egypt is still in you, God will leave you wandering a wilderness. You know, somebody, asked, somebody told me, tell me you could be Nigeria's prophet. I said, I don't want to be Nigeria's prophet. It's too small an ambition. I want to restore Nigeria's prophets. My dear friend here said it. He said, when Inahosha died, there was a void in the atmosphere. Why? Because everybody wanted one prophet. One prophet. Oh, when's prophet Tommy coming back? When's prophet, when's he coming We don't need one prophet anymore. We need so many prophets that the enemy tries one, he can't get them, then there's more right behind him. We need prophetic voices. It's time for a shift. So, this is it. This is where I close. What is your greatest resource? Nigerians, I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to tell you what your greatest resource is and why I love Nigeria so much. Nigeria, you can be poor in the UK and succeed. Why? Because. Look at this. Look at this. This is the last thing I'm going to say. God gave the children of Israel the wealth of Egypt in a second. Every Egyptian woman came with their silver and their gold and gave it to the children of Israel. And the Bible says, and he destroyed Egypt in that day. Look at this. So they leave with the wealth. And you think they're going to Herod's. But God drops them off in a desert. What could his wealth in a wilderness Hello? Why do I have wealth in a wilderness? And God answered the question. I fed you with manna because you couldn't shop for food. And so I caused bread to come out of the sky Because I wanted to show you something. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth, not the book. the mouth of God that means your greatest resource is the prophetic word so in the book of Matthew Jesus comes to some apostles and he says who do you say I am some say you're John some say you're this Peter Who do you say I am in Matthew 16, 18? He said, you're Christ, the son of the living God. And he covers his mouth like, where did I get that from? Oh, he didn't get it reading the Bible. We must read the Bible. It's important. But the Bible says, woe to you religious people. You search the text thinking that in it you may find me. I'm going to mess you up. We must read the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. But look at this. He says, oh, you Simon, son of Jonah? Because flesh and blood. You didn't get this in theology school. You didn't get this on TBN regurgitation. You didn't get this just by somebody else's teaching. My Father in heaven is communicating with you through revelation. Then he says, On this rock, what rock? Revelation. I'm going to build an institution, not an organization an organism and the sign of this organism is that the gates of hell will never enter a nation again because the house of revelation is on the scene when we lose the prophetic in the church we have lost the purpose of the church. The church becomes a museum when the voice of God leaves. So people say, oh, okay, "Let me just make. I got my healing ministry at Bethel. Got that tool on my tool belt. I got my deliverance ministry. Got that tool on my tool belt. Come to tell me to get my prophetic." tool belt ministry the prophetic is not another tool on your tool belt the prophetic is the foundation of the New Testament church it is your DNA that doesn't mean you're all going to be prophets by office it means sheep hear my voice not they hear it through Tommy no i cried to god when i came and i coming to my hotel room i said god i don't want to become the nation's guru the holy ghost lives on the inside of you and the same holy ghost that speaks to tony is the same holy ghost that speaks to you i don't want any self i have no agenda here but to see god's kingdom come to nigeria and his will be done. I'm not here to build Tomi or ministries. I'm not here to build a monument. I'm here to build living stones. That's what excites me when I come back and I hear 30 say, we've done prophetic things and so many things are shifting and shaking in the earth. So in the book of Acts, Jesus finishes off the scripture. And the apostles are gathered in Jerusalem. He says, tarry there, wait for my promise. For you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Somebody say, when does my international ministry begin? When you learn to wait for the promise. For the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost fully came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there was a tempest blast. Tongues of fire settled on every single one of them. And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And if we are not careful, we will think that the Pentecostal church got birth there. No. The book of Acts was not about birthing the Pentecostal church. Peter stood up and said, no, we're not drunk as you presume. And this isn't about shaking." over on the floor and catching fire. No, this is what Joel spoke about. But in these end times, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy Your young men shall dream dreams. Your old men see visions. Even on the house help. I'm going to pour out my Holy Ghost and they're going to prophesy. Why? Because the Holy Ghost ends the monopoly on revelation being held in the hands of an elite few. I want to put a different hunger in you today. Tell so me why you preaching like this. I want to put a different hunger in you. Hunger saying, if I just get to that meeting, and if, if I just look at him, give him contact, he's going to prophesy to me. The hunger I want to put in you is, God, make me a prophet. God, Saul came into the company of the prophets and he became a different person. Transform me in your presence so I can hear your voice for myself. Oh, when you're hungry like that, I promise you he will fill you with his Holy Spirit.
0: You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on thetribelegos. God bless.